Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Live Life Liberated with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. Today, Sean Clark, David Cariani are on the microphones. Gentlemen, how are you guys? Doing very well, Eric. Thank you. Great, Eric. Thank you. All right. I, it's it's an internal interview today. You guys are talking about something, and I don't know what it is, so I'm here to learn with the audience. What are you guys going to share with us today? Yeah, well, thanks for, uh, for joining us, everybody. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is not necessarily a new topic to our podcast. Uh, it's structured notes, but we're going to talk about uh, its current application in the market environment today, who it's applicable for, how we're using them, uh, this is kind of a timely podcast. It's meant to communicate some information um, in terms of not only what these are and how we're utilizing them in this kind of an environment, but they're applicable for a wide variety of different investors. So we're going to speak to some of the different applications and use cases of them today. All right. Sounds good. So I'm the director of financial planning here, and I work with a lot of our different clients on engagements and portfolio design and things like that. These are instruments that we've had great success with and a lot of experience utilizing over the last year or so as market conditions have changed. So I want to talk to David Cariani, who is really our subject matter expert in this area, and learn a little bit more about structured notes. So David, welcome. Thank you. Good to have a chat with you this morning about this, Sean, something that I'm, uh, as you know, highly passionate about. So I'm happy to answer some questions for our listening audience. and. Uh, and shed some light on uh, what I think is a great opportunity to take advantage of in this current market environment. And so to provide some context, David and I sit right next to each other, and sometimes we debate these things, investment merits and stuff like that. We both sit on the investment committee, and we will go to bat for our different ideas or challenge each other's ideas. And this is something that David gets very passionate about. It's great office talk. Everybody loves talking with David about this. So we want to bring his enthusiasm and passion for this to our listeners, and hopefully everybody gets something out of what we're going to discuss here today. So with that, David, why don't you talk to us a little bit about who we're speaking to and kind of the, the categories that we're going to break into? Right. I think that the, the primary audience is actually pretty broad in this case. We've had some pretty some topics with pretty granular applications. In this case, I think we're talking to um, potentially anybody invested in traditional equities, traditional fixed income, or those sitting uh, on the sidelines in cash, particularly those that are concerned about the current market environment, maybe have worries about, you know, more downside risk right now than they've had in the past. Okay, great. So, um, you know, let's, let's just set the context a little bit, the current environment we're in, you know, equity markets have been down, fixed income markets have been down, people who have been invested have been challenged to find uh, a safe haven, if you will. Uh, those who haven't invested are maybe looking at the market like, hey, it's down, but could it go down further? Is this a good time to get in or not? So there's some some context to the current inv- market that I think is interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's look back to the great financial crisis from the peak of the market in 2007 to the trough in 2009. We had, depending on the index you're tracking, we had anywhere between 50 to nearly 60% maximum drawdown. And so year to date, we, we topped out in the markets almost right exactly at the end of the year. So year to date number is really the number that is the same as from the top of the market. And we're down, let's call it 20% year to date. 
um, more aggressive indices are down, have gotten down closer to 30. And those are the ones that were down, you know, from 50 to 60. So we've gone down about half of what we did in the great financial crisis. I'm not saying that we're, we're going to retrace that. I'm just saying as far as a context and what people may be concerned about and what is, you know, ultimately potentially possible. So yeah, you could be saying, Hey, we have a buying opportunity with markets depressed as they are now, but you have a lot of people that are concerned about maybe another leg down. Fantastic. And I think what, we, what you were just describing there is largely around equity markets, but this has been an interesting environment around fixed income markets as well. Can you describe what's gone on year to date with fixed income and why that's a little unique right now? Yeah, well, with the Fed really taking aggressive action against inflation, we've seen a, a huge jump percentage-wise in interest rates with the 10-year Treasury around around 3% now. And so we've seen a, a traditional bond portfolio, you know, as measured by the Barclays aggregate, losing about 10% of value thus far year to date. And that's that's something we haven't seen in decades, really. It's a, a very significant loss from what is viewed to be, you know, one of the safest asset classes. So, and, and at the same time, yields aren't that attractive, right? It, even even uh, though they've gone up so much, right, on that, that you're receiving a 3% on treasuries waiting 10 years. So it's a challenging environment for fixed income as well. So there, we kind of, We've been using structured notes to address some of these concerns that people have and using and, and across multiple asset classes. So we've been using them as an alternative to traditional fixed income, and we've been using them as an alternative to traditional equity exposure. And there are a number of ways that that can be applied specifically, and we'll kind of get into those as we talk further. Okay, great. Well, thank you, David, for that. Um, I think that helps set the context of what kind of listeners we're listening to, so or what kind of listeners would be interested in what we're talking about here today. So um, anybody who's got equity investments, fixed income investments, those sitting in cash looking to get into equities or fixed income, um, and pretty much anybody that's concerned about the current market environment and how to maybe position um, around opportunities and challenges uh, should pay attention here. So with that, let's dive in a little bit around structured notes and let's talk about what they are. So David, you mentioned highly customizable and an alternative. Can you expand on those? Yeah, so structured notes are essentially an investment grade corporate bond that are issued by large global banks that the performance of those bonds is tied to any number of different market indices or um, very specific exposures that their derivatives desk can can arrange. So they're they're really very highly customizable, and they can be an alternative to nearly any exposure that's out there. But what they provide is a very convenient package to sort of create any any particular exposure that you would like. They are a marketable security. They're not highly liquid. They can be exited. The, the banks that issue them do make a market in them. So if you had to sell them, you could. But as with any individual bond, you you purchase them with the intent of holding to maturity. The, the economics are intended. The best outcome is when you hold them to maturity. But, but they could be sold if need be. Um, <clears throat> 
So David, when you're customizing these, we'll get into a little bit of how the customization works for maybe a growth-oriented investor versus an income-oriented investor, but what's the process? You're designing these from scratch, right? These aren't off-the-shelf products. They, I mean, they can come packaged up and bundled, but the way you're, we're utilizing them here and the way you're designing them is highly customized. Uh, I think that's pretty unique. Can you expand upon what you do there and how that works for the different flavors? Right. So as I was saying, they, they can tie the the performance of these to nearly index any index that's out there in the market or in even individual securities. And they also, the, the deaths of these banks that are looking to raise funds and, and issue these, these notes, they create sort of generic templates that they think may be attractive or may, or they may create exposures that they need to, um, that they need to have on their balance sheet as the counterparty. And they circulate those to a lot of different brokerages and firms out there. You know, we get we get three emails a day about different notes that are available being offered by these banks. What we do is the opposite: is we say, what exposures do we want? What are we looking for? And as long as we have critical scale, we can go to these banks and customize a note to do exactly what we want it to do. And so that's a, a really important aspect of this for me is we're not just looking at kind of, hey, what's what's available in the market. We're looking for solutions for clients saying, given our current situation, what exposures are we looking for? We design notes specifically around that. And then we go to market and get the best quotes for those notes. And that's often where David and I uh, will work together, right? A client may have uh, a portion of their portfolio that's oriented towards growth, a portion that's oriented towards income, some that may need certain downside protection, different maturities, you name it. And as you mentioned, if there's critical mass um, and or we have the right, you know, this known structure, we can go in and design exactly what is needed for a client kind of on a, a bespoke basis, if you will. So so that's that's a little bit about the customization side. Um, I think there's some really unique economics and um, risk return kind of attributes that we'll talk through a little bit in a minute. But uh, David, where do you, you mentioned these are an alternative, but you also mentioned liquid. So liquid alternatives, where can investors hold these? Where are they custodied? You know, how does this work as an instrument? Yeah. So, you know, one of the nice things is they're, they're pretty easy to execute. So once we create a note and we go out and we find a bank um, on the street to issue that note, they're traded just like any other corporate bond. They have a QCIP that is a security identifier, like a ticker for a stock. And they settle in our traditional brokerage accounts, whether it's in your IRA or your trust account or your joint account. So they're held at the custodian, whether that be TD Ameritrade, Schwab, First Clearing, wherever, whatever, wherever you're custodied, they're just held in your brokerage account like any other bond. And they'll show up in your portfolio like a bond. And retirement accounts, non-retirement accounts, both okay. Absolutely, great. Okay, so these are a you know widely used instrument. There's a, a strong market for these. They're issued for banks, and we can customize them for use. So I think we've got a little bit of the backdrop around them. You've mentioned some of the concerns around limited liquidity. They are issued by a bank, so you're taking the counterparty risk just like any other investment grade corporate bond. Talk about the taxation real quick, if you can. Right, so you know you can view this um, as a as a con uh, or a pro. So depending on how they're designed, they have different tax characteristics. Uh, notes that distribute income on a, on a regular basis, just like any other bond, it is taxed as ordinary interest income. 
and notes where you're looking for equity-like exposure to an index uh, as long as you design them to mature over um, over one year uh, period of time, then the, the any gain on that would be treated as a long-term capital gain. So it's in the design where you determine the taxability. But the one thing that's common is you know, when they mature, it is a taxable transaction. So as opposed to if you bought a stock and it, or a stock index and it appreciated at the end of the year, you may decide to hold it. You may decide to hold it and defer the realization of those gains, where in the case of a note, when the note matures, that gain is going to be a taxable gain, though ideally we would have that designed to be a long-term capital gain. So you know, it depends what type of account you're putting them in uh, as far as what type of note you would want to put there, right? So asset location is at play here. Okay, great. So they fit in and fill a role for both asset allocation and asset location. We help clients with determining the optimal mix of that, where to hold what. So thanks for covering that. I think we've got a good picture of what they are. Let's transition to a couple of use cases. We're going to talk about, I'd like to talk about growth notes first, what I'm going to describe as growth notes. And I think these are applicable for what I'm going to consider equity or growth oriented investors who are looking to get appreciation out of their assets. But there may be, may be concerned that there's additional downside risk in this market environment, like you alluded to earlier. So it could be people that own equities today. It could be people that have maybe harvested some losses out of their existing equities and are now in cash, looking to get back into equities. Or maybe it's somebody who's sold a business or a piece of property or done a rollover and they're in cash looking to get back into the market and would typically maybe use a dollar cost averaging strategy or something like that. So I think that's who it would potentially be interested in the growth notes. David, can you dive into just at a high level, what are the details when we say a growth note? What is that? Right. So a, a growth note is intended to be sort of a, an alternative to traditional equity exposure. So like I said, the, these things are kind of the wild west as far as what you can do with them. They're, they're highly customizable, but we, you know, what we've designed as I view as a fairly vanilla growth note is taking three different market indices, the broad markets like the S&P 500, and you're tying the performance of the note to the performance of the index over the next one to two years. So pick any time horizon you want. Let's just say 13 months so that it is longer than a one year. So your, your resulting gain would be treated as a long-term capital gain, as we discussed. And you're picking three indices and, and whether you're, you're using an average or the worst of or the best of those indices that you're tracking. Um, and you're taking on long exposure to those indices. And additionally, you're picking up some sort of a downside buffer, it's referred to, which is some protection to the downside. So it may say, hey, the first 15% of downside of the performance of this index is not going to be captured by this note. So starting at percent 16 and below, you start to participate. So if the market was down 20%, for example, you would lose five instead of 20 because the first 15% was buffered for you. Yet on the upside in the current market environment, we're able to have essentially one for one exposure on the upside. 
So these are not always this attractive, I will tell you. It's, it is sort of a timely investment, and maybe in a different market environment, you would structure a note entirely differently. But what we're seeing right now is take that investor that we said, hey, we're down 20, but could we be down 40? I do want to start to get long or put money in the market, but I'm concerned there's a second leg down. Now I can say, hey, if, I'm, if markets go up from here, I'm participating one for one. If markets go down, I've got a 15% cushion if I'm wrong, if I'm early, if there's another leg down. So let's talk about that. Let me just contextualize that in a simple example. So if I invested $100 and I had option A or option B, option A is invest in the stock, the index, we'll just call it whatever in these indices, and just invest in those outright. And option B is to use one of these notes to do it. In option A, where I invest in the instrument outright, if it goes up, I go up. So if I have a $100 investment and it goes up 25%, I've got $125. And the same side, if it goes down 25%, I've got $75. So that's option A. With these structured notes, if I go in there at $100, and the thing goes up 25%. In your example, I'm one for one, so I'm still at $125. But if the market went down 25%, I'm not participating until 15%. So I'm actually going to be down only 10 cents there instead of 25. So I would be getting 90 cents back on the dollar, meaning $90 on my 100, to now do what with, David? Well, now ideally you'd be reinvesting directly into those indices because the market is down that much more. What a great time to invest. And you have a lot more of your dollars to reinvest in the market than the guy that was already just in the market. They're holding on and riding it back. So uh, that well, you're able to add more capital, right? They're, they've got 75 cents in the market, and you now are putting 90 cents in the market while it's at depressed levels. And I think that's so important as a, uh, a risk-minded money manager. If the market goes down 50%, you've got to get 100% return to get back to even. So if we can mitigate that downside risk to 20%, we only need 25% return to get back to even. And if we're able to participate on these, these investments on the upside fully, but we have downside protection, the risk return profile of these instruments is significantly better than an outright long position, in my opinion. Absolutely. And, and, and as I said, this is in current market conditions. Six months ago, even these notes were not nearly as attractive. You, you did not have unlimited upside where they were capped. They might say, oh, we'll, we'll give you 12% downside protection, but the maximum return you can achieve is 9%. If the market goes up more than that, you're capped out and you do not participate in it. So it's really right now a very attractive investment for the reasons we discussed. And I just, just to clarify, you know, some, some additional features though of how are you getting that, right? There, there's no free lunch. How are you getting that downside protection in these equity notes? Number one, if you owned the index as you had stated outright, you would be collecting the dividends on the underlying stocks. You'd be getting dividend on that index. With the structured notes, you do not collect the dividend. That's one of the things that's paying for your downside protection. The other thing is it's a note. And so you're you're giving money to the bank that's issuing the note and taking on some counterparty risk, just like any other investment grade bond issued by Citibank or JP Morgan. And for that, they're paying interest you're not receiving that interest, that interest is again, what's buying your downside protection. So it's a combination of those things that you are foregoing in order to have this exposure. But you know, for me, it's, a, it's an easy trade off, you know, with, with 
dividend rates on the S&P at a percent and a half. Um, if I can instead pick up 15% downside by giving up that one and a half percent, I think it's a great trade right now. Great. Thank you, David. So um, I think we've touched on a lot there. Uh, I think there's a lot of different uses like we talked about. Let's hit on one around tax harvesting real quick before we get over to the income side of things. So for investors who are currently invested in equity markets, they're also concerned about additional downside that may be here going forward. They're already long. What strategy might they look to employ in this type of an environment, utilizing maybe some tax planning and investment planning? Yeah, well, so that's a that's a great point, Sean. So, if if you have if you're a long term holder, you've probably got a lot of gains on the books. Even though we're down twenty percent this year, um, we've had you know a long equity run up. But there there are likely certain positions in your portfolio that may be at a loss that have not had that typical average performance. So, if you had any positions, or if you're a more recent entry entrant to the market and you have losses on your books. You know, this would be a great time to harvest those losses, you know, realize, realize them to offset any other gains this year or in forward years. And you can replace that exposure with a you know, more downside protected, you know, equity linked note or, a, you know, a growth note, as we refer to them. So you're kind of winning on both fronts, right? You're taking a little bit of risk off the table in your portfolio, as well as achieving a, a tax benefit. Yeah, you're capturing this tax asset and positioning yourself to belong the market on the upside, but have some downside protection. Correct. Which I think is a really cool strategy. So fantastic. Those are the growth notes. David, is there anything else we should hit on on the growth notes before we move over to fixed income? I think we've covered it at a enough level to get a, a good understanding of, of some of the merits of, of why we've been using those. Okay, great. So that's the growth note. Let's, we're going to jump over now to what we coin an income note. And this is, you know, um, kind of a, a fixed income alternative, if you will. And I'm going to have David describe that here in more detail for us. So contrary to the growth note that gives you sort of long equity exposure with some downside protection, the income note is one you can utilize to make money even in a down market, right? So whereas the growth note buffered you from losses in the down market, you would get your money back at even, but you wouldn't make any money in a down market. The income note actually allows you to make an equity-like return in a market that's down up to 25% the way that we've designed them. So let me clarify that. So you're taking on a similar exposure, meaning if the index is down beyond a certain threshold amount, in this case, 25%, you're taking on the downside of that index below that point, And you are foregoing any upside of the index. So you're not participating uh, in the market when it goes up. But what you are going to get is regular monthly interest payments, just like any other bond. And so you're going to, but the, the, the level of interest is extremely attractive. So we've been executing these in the eight, nine, 10, 11% range annually. And that's a, that's a long-term equity-like return, right? I think anybody would be happy to have a 9% return, um, on, even on their equity portfolio on any given year. So so by taking on some downside risk exposure to the equity markets, you're able to achieve an equity-like return, but even in a down market. So 
if your if your note is paying nine percent, for example, if the market is flat, you're making nine percent. If the market's down ten, you're making nine percent. If it's down twenty four percent, you're making ten percent. You're going to get your monthly interest payment every month as long as the market is not down over twenty five percent. What happens if it is down more than twenty five percent at some point during the thirteen month term or the whatever it may be? There's a measurement date for each interest payment, and on that date, immediately prior to the payment, they measure whether the market is down 25% from the starting point. If it is down beyond that, you will not receive that single interest payment, and it will be remeasured again the following month before the payment. Any month where you're exceeding that 25% threshold, you won't receive that payment. But so long as it's not down 25% or more, I'm going to get that month's interest payment and move forward like clockwork. Exactly. Okay. And then at the end of the term, it's measured again, and that's where your principal is calculated. As long as the market's not down 25%, you receive 100% of your principal back, just like any other bond. If it is down over 25%, you start to take on some loss of principal based on the performance of the market beyond that 25%. So it's possible to collect interest some months and not in others, and therefore your return may not be the maximum 9% that, that's stated there. Correct, yeah. So your, your return is anywhere between a maximum of 9% where you make every payment and you know the minimum where if it, day one the market blew up and, and stayed on the floor for the entire year where you'd make zero and potentially lose some principal at, at maturity. But the risk reward that we see with the market already down 20% and you have a buffer of an additional 25% from here, you have, uh, you know, from the peak, you're talking about a market that would be down 40% from the peak before you started losing a penny of principal. And, and, and for taking on that risk, you're able to achieve a 9, 10, 11% rate of return, even in a down market. And I think that's really important. Another aspect of this environment that we haven't hit on specifically is inflation. So with inflation, it call it 8% right now. You know, if I, if I told you that your interest was 100% taxed, most people wouldn't be interested in investing in interest-bearing income. Um, but at the same time, if I told you that inflation was 8% and you're earning 8%, uh, you might take it, right? So people don't necessarily realize that inflation is equivalent to a tax. And if you're earning less than 8% right now, you're effectively losing money. So on instruments like this, they are a way for fixed income instruments or alternatives to potentially keep pace with inflation. And I think with inflation this high, it's prudent that you do need to take some risk in order to get that type of a return. And I think the level of risk that you're needing to take in this environment to get that is pretty minimal uh, compared to other ways of accessing those types of returns. Right. And, and again, like I said, with the growth notes, it's, it's a timeliness factor here. They're extremely attractive right now. They are not always so attractive. It's one of those things where um, they're, when they're good, they're really good. And when they're not, they're not. So again, um, a year ago or so, they may not, uh, uh, you know, or they, they just weren't as attractive. You weren't getting nearly the level of yield and the market was at a much higher level. So when you had 25%, but you're at the top of the market, uh, it's not the same as having a 25% protection when you're already down 20. So just right now is really a very timely, very attractive 
and a number of ways that they can be applied. Fantastic. So with that, let's talk about the implementation. Um, there's a, a number of things that are there. So we may have some investors that are thinking, okay, I want to maybe ladder these like CDs or bonds, or maybe I want to go in there and try to get 12% on this index or something like that. So what level of specificity do you have? How do these get implemented? What's the process for an investor? If I come in and say, David, I would love to invest in a growth or income note, go for it. How does that look? Well, it really depends on you know everybody's situation and where they're going to fit in the portfolio. The type of account, as we said, asset location matters. So what, what type of account we're investing in is going to depend on if growth or income is more attractive and obviously how it would fit in with the remainder of the portfolio. But we would, um, with, with the required minimum assets available, we can go and customize whatever we need. And what we've typically done is sort of ladder out um, an exposure where we're buying notes that would have different maturities and work our way into that portfolio so that you don't have, uh, you're, you're sort of diversifying your, your point in time market risk when these mature as far as when they're going to measure your outcome based on is the market down, for example, 25% on the, you know, the day before maturity if you spread out your maturities then you have you know different points in time where that's going to be measured and so we would typically build a ladder for that uh, client we would design the note how we want it to look and then we go to market and we would get bids across the entire street to see where the best pricing would come in and the terms do vary significantly because all of these banks um, are trying to balance out their their own risk book and so some of them may have an appetite for this type of exposure on this particular day and others may not and the pricing is very reflective of that right they'll price it so that it is not attractive so that you do not say yes i want that or they'll attract it they'll they'll price it you know incredibly attractively where you say yes i you know definitely will take that thank you so it's is sort of day-to-day um pricing differences where um you know we're very careful with execution to make sure that we're we're uh, broadly um searching the street for best execution. And I think that's in, you know, David has a lot of subject matter expertise here, and he knows how to work that trade and work this uh, process and kind of optimize the solution. So there is some measure of discretion around that um, implementation on the trading. But again, it's usually by strategy and design. So there's a high level plan that then gets forwarded for implementation. And then we do what's best in the current market and market environment that day. Is that right, David? Yeah, exactly. And, and, it's, and it's not necessarily something that we'll trade on a specific day. It's more of an order that we'll have in hand and we'll monitor market conditions for you know, an, an optimal day. The pricing on these, uh, on some of them, are, are driven a lot by volatility. So when you have big spikes in volatility, it's is a good time to go out and, and, uh, and get close to Shop the market, yep. yep. All right, cool. Well, um, I think the last thing, you know, I get these quotes all the time just on my email of uh, structured notes, all different kinds of exotic varieties and different yields and things like that. What's the difference between the the marketed kind of off the shelf version of these versus the customized ones? We alluded to that earlier, but what's the real benefit for the investors who work with us to do that? Well, again, you know, we're looking at what's needed, what sort of exposures we want to take on in the portfolio and what we want to solve. And we're creating the note that we want for our clients and then we're shopping that to get the best pricing on it versus 
the banks creating a note that's attractive for their book and then distributing it through brokerage channels and things like that. So I think it's important that we're sort of in the driver's seat and we're setting um, we're setting sort of the characteristics and parameters of the note according to what our client needs. Yeah, this is not a highly commoditized market, if you will, right? There's some opportunity and some art to how this gets implemented and designed and ultimately works out for a client. Exactly, exactly. Great. Yeah. Well, I think we've covered a lot here. Is there anything else that we should touch on as related to structured notes um, or how they might apply for growth investors, income investors? I think really across both of those, uh, one of the you know highest and best uses right now is somebody that's in cash. And as you mentioned, inflation is your enemy. You're losing 8% sitting in cash. You may be worried about the market. Is there a second leg down? How do I get into this market off of cash? And I think that these provide an excellent solution for that. Where, where we've had a lot of success is, is applying them for a dollar cost averaging strategy. So we had talked about laddering um, a series of notes to mature at different points in time. And so if you can imagine having them mature and deploying that cash into the market upon maturity, like you would with a dollar cost averaging strategy, you'd say, I've got a million dollars and I'm putting $100,000 in per month, for example. You could have a note, and this is a little more granular than typical, but just as an example, you could have a note mature every month for $100,000. And when it matures, you would then drop that into the market. But in the meantime, in your dollar cost averaging strategy, you would normally be sitting in cash. In the meantime here, you could be earning 8, 9, 10, 11% interest, which is already an equity-like return. What are the two outcomes? One outcome market goes up and your your dollar cost averaging day comes the bond matures you buy it in stocks but you're buying at higher prices well at least you were earning 10 percent along the way other outcome market goes down markets down a lot if you're in a dollar cost averaging strategy that's actually a great outcome you're now on the day when you're deploying your cash into the market and the markets are significantly depressed you're buying in at very low levels in the meantime, you were collecting interest, and you're, you, even if you lost, you know, say your buffer is 25% and the market's down 30, you lost 5%, but now you got the opportunity to go in an extremely depressed market. And so, the, and really, if you're buying in, that's what you want is that low tick. So, I, I think your downside is really an upside in that environment. So, for that application, I think it's great getting cash off the sidelines in this market environment, it's an excellent tool. So uh, these are really cool instruments. I love working with them, so does David. Um, for existing clients of our firm, you know, if these are interesting to you and we haven't spoke with you about them yet or you haven't learned about them yet, give us a call. Um, if you're not yet a client of the firm but you're interested in how these might work for you or what the, what the design might be for your situation, reach out to us. There's so much we can do. Um, David and I will work on this with you. We, we love this stuff and um, I think there's a lot of great utility in a high volatility environment. And you know, when, when there's high volatility, people are usually fearful, right? And fear can cause people to not act. And one of the things that can happen is if you're in cash for whatever reason, and you don't act and the market goes up, you might have missed it, right? And you miss out on 
and getting in and then you get in later and you don't feel quite as good. So I think this is something where investors can commit to a strategy, feel really good about it, have a direct driven approach, whether A happens, B happens, C happens. And I think for investors that I've worked with, that really provides a lot of clarity in this type of environment, gives them an offensive game plan so that they're not sitting back being fearful. And when you look at the economics of what that can do, not only in the portfolio, but on their wealth over time and the effects that that has on their life, uh, it can be huge. So um, I think these are really powerful instruments that not they're complicated. Not many people understand the ins and outs of them. We're trying to bring some of that education to you, let you know how we use them and how we've had success. But these are these are a lot of fun and a great way to invest in the current environment. Yeah, I agree, Sean. I, we've had a lot of success with these, a lot of good outcomes. And I think this, in the current market environment, they're a, a, a great tool in, in our box uh, to you know, provide comprehensive solutions for clients. And, and um, I'm, I'm really thrilled to have them as something that we can utilize. Gentlemen, this has been fascinating. I mean, the, the amount of information that you've delivered to the audience is huge. And what I'm hearing throughout this entire podcast, the theme, I guess, is that these are very, very specifically designed by your team for the individual that you're talking to, because there is no one size fits all. And even though there may be folks out there trying to sell the one size fits all situation, that's not what this is, right? Correct. That's exactly right. You hit it right on the head. Okay. So look, give them some contact information. I think people are going to be excited about this. How do they reach out to you? Um, I, I know your current clients have contact information, but what if somebody's just listening to this podcast for the first time and, and they're like, well, wait, wait a second. I'd like to know if there's something that can be designed specifically for me and my family. Absolutely. So uh, you can reach out to myself directly. My email address is sclark, C-L-A-R-K, at centurawealth.com. You can reach out to David directly. His is D Cariani, that's C-A-R-I-A-N-I, at centurawealth.com. Or you can call us at 858-771-9500. We're also available on the web at centurawealth.com. Got all kinds of content and information on there. So check us out on one of those ways or reach out to us. We'd be happy to talk with you. Sean, thank you so much for that. I appreciate the great information today. Thank you, Eric. You Thanks bet. And David, time. you're a wealth of information. I'm, I'm so glad the two of you teamed up to do this podcast because it was brilliant. I love to talk about it. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right. You bet. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when they come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this does actually help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Centura Wealth Advisory, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Centura Wealth Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 
Centura Wealth Advisory. Centura is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results.